Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today, relationship life coach Cindy Chavez. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And it's quite a day because uh, we have some news going on, um, not the least of which is that we're back after being off for a week because uh, I had no internet next, last week, which was kind of uh, an unusual thing around here. But uh, I'm back on that one. That was good. They were outside doing work. I don't really know what it was about. We got a notification saying we're trying to improve your internet service and then it all went away. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and, it, and it stayed away for six hours. <laughs> wow. I guess you needed a break from the internet. I, I guess. Well, in a sense I did because it was a pretty high pressured week last week. The last few weeks have been pretty high pressured in the gardening business, which is par for the course around here because May is always going to be the busiest part of the gardening season for us. Um, But in a sense, I could say that, yeah, this was the universe saying, well, take a break. You need to go breathe. And so I did. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second piece of news is, well, the last experiment that we were doing was the Dear Abby experiment. Yes. Um, Basically looking for immediate inner guidance on an ongoing basis. And it worked. It worked so well that Monique, when she applied it, people might remember that she was planning to make a move to Atlanta. Well, she made the move to Atlanta and out of coaching and into internet, I'm sorry, into real estate investing. And so she's on to other things. She's, she's left the show, which is kind of sad, but it's kind of like, Oh my God, what it happened? Is, it is sad. I, I loved, I loved doing the show with her because she had such a, I don't know. She had the brilliant smile, which I could see because we're on video with each other, but right. uh, also just such a good energy, you know, and a very positive, uh, Absolutely. upbeat. Yeah. So I'm sure whatever she is doing, you said real estate that she's going to real estate. You know, yeah. be successful. Um, because she seems like I can't imagine her not being su- successful in a business where she's connecting with people, you know, right. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's she, funny, you know, when you said, step, you know, stepped away from coaching for a while. Um, when you're a coach, you, you don't really ever step away from coaching, right? You know, yeah. you might step away from it as your, like, main source of income or as your official business. But one thing I know about most, you know, coaches is that, uh, and not that we coach people without them knowing, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, coaching is part of who we are. So, right. Right. So even, I mean, it's like, it's kind of funny, you know, my husband's an attorney, but we talk about that. It's like counselor at law Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. so much of what he does is so similar to what I do. Of course, I don't have the law background and I don't have the doctorate and all that, but I'm not working in legal things. So he's got all that expertise, but so many times what he does is, really beyond that with a person, right? Because mm-hmm. when you hire an attorney, usually there's something going on where you really need support, right? And yeah. so I think for coaches too, it's like, it's just a, a helping profession. And so she's going to be, you know, using her coaching magic um, to the people that she's <laughs> doing real estate with. <laughs> no doubt about it at all. I totally, I totally agree with you. And the other thing that occurred to me is that I remember when she told the story, I don't remember if she told it on the show or off the show to me privately, but uh, she had a friend who had, she has since reconnected with. And it was, it was one of her um, experiments here on the show. We were, we were asking for something surprising, uh, uh, 
unexpected to happen. Yes. And, and she specified she wanted to be contacted by somebody she hadn't heard from in a while. You had done pretty much the same thing. Right. The person that she heard from was this friend from many years ago who was a real estate coach, basically. And she had worked with her for a while and then they'd lost touch. And now all of a sudden she contacts her out of the blue. And now Monique is following her instincts and following her inner guidance and, and deciding to just reconnect with her on a, on a regular basis. So she's working with this friend of hers. That's where she's spending all of her time. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. Well, that's funny because that last experiment that we did was literally like trying something that would prove to us or show us right. testing a little bit that we could depend on our inner guidance. <laughs> oh my goodness. This stuff is powerful. <laughs> potent. Yeah. Whoa, you never oh. know where it's going to lead to, but that's okay. You know, it's all going to work out well. It's just, boy, when it, when it happens, it sometimes just it throws you. It's like, oh my God, what? this is supposed to be a little experiment on an LOA Today show. That's all it was. Oh my God. Well, I should talk about this because we talked about it before the show today, but I just think it's a funny example of the same exact thing. When you start trusting your inner guidance, like really, like we talked about last, uh, last time we were together, we talked about trying out things that aren't like life or death things to test our inner guidance just to mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. And that gets you a little more comfortable with, you know, trusting that right. inner voice and that inner guidance. And I, at one point, Oh gosh, it must have been about gosh, 15 years ago now. I was teaching a workshop, a creativity workshop, but really what the workshop did was let you get in touch with your inner guidance. Mm -hmm. And we were teaching a group of people um, for Whole Foods corporate. And there were three of us teachers. And I think we had eight people in the class and it was really powerful work. Um, This was before I was technically a coach, but it was, you know, the same kind of work that I do now. And about halfway through the program, One of our teachers, he is no longer on the planet. Uh, May he rest in peace. Wonderful guy named Pete Lopez. Pete showed up with a list. And on this list, because the the three of us were teaching, but we were also doing the program with them side by side, right? So he shows up up to the, to the, you know, class with a list and he, he's got them copied and he's passing them out. I started to say Xerox, really show my age, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And he, uh, He's passing them out and it's a list of everything he owns that he's going to sell. And he's like, if you want anything on this list and he had some really cool stuff, right? So people in the class are like, Oh yeah, you know, I want this bread machine and Hey, I want these Tibetan singing (laughs) bowls and you know, all this cool stuff he had. And I'm sitting there like, wait a minute, what's happening? And he decided to sell everything he owns, buy an RV and hit the road. (laughs) We're like, we still have six weeks of this class. Are you going to teach the rest of the class with us? Right. (laughs) And then we had several other people that got so inspired by him being so brave and hearing his inner guidance that they were like saying, yeah, I'm out of here. We were like, they're never going to hire us back. Everyone's going to (laughs) quit. It was so funny. So you never know what's going to happen, right? When you start tapping into your inner guidance. But, you know, something that I like to tell people that I'm coaching, especially in relationship, so many times people stay somewhere that they don't want to be in a job, in a relationship, in a town, whatever, because they're worried about how it's going to affect other people. Mm -hmm. And I like to think that whatever is best for me is also best for you. Right. It's like I'm sticking around 
somewhere because I, I'm worried about the other person, it's probably better for them if I follow my inner guidance too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, uh, we're sad to see Monique go, but who knows what that will open up for her and for us. Oh, absolutely. We just don't know. And to to want someone to stay somewhere when their inner guidance is leading them somewhere else, that's just not going to be the best thing for everybody. That's true. You know, sometimes it's hard, but. Well, it's also <laughs> a reminder. <laughs> it's a reminder. We're playing with, with life energy. I mean, yeah. yeah, we're doing these experiments, but this is the real deal. I mean, yeah. this, we, we like to pretend this is just our own little corner of the universe where we're doing these little experiments, but we're doing it with live ammo. I mean, this is the real stuff, right? So when you play with real energy, you get real energetic results. And it's kind of important to remember that. And we're all connected. We are. Right. Like you said, we, it, it feels like we're in our own little corner, but we're all connected. So I, I had an interesting thing happen with my uh, inner guidance. Oh, really? I have been having some, thoughts about some things I wanted to change and things I wanted to do in my business. Uh-huh. And, but some of them I didn't really want to do, right? Because it was like, oh, but I like the way this is already. And like, there are some uh, things I'm involved in, but I really like those the way they are. And then one of them just completely fell apart. Not because of me. I had nothing to do with any of it, but it was like, that one thing had sort of a domino effect of like, oh, okay, well, uh-huh. now I can go do this thing, right? So it's like, I don't know. I also had so much information come my way when I just started talking about it. Wow. Right? Like you mentioned um, my friend Jackie. You know Jackie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned something to her, and then she started talking about something that she uh, – some uh, business program that she had done – and an idea that was right in line with the things I was thinking of. It was like, I don't know. As soon as I started just talking about what I wanted to do to like three people, it's like all this information was just there. And I think, oh my gosh, all the things that were sort of the doubts and sort of like uncertainty that was kind of holding me back. If I wouldn't have just talked about it and followed that inner nudge and just talked about it, I wouldn't have any of this information. True. And literally in just a short span of time talking to three different people for less than an hour each, I have all this information about how I could do a couple things I want to do in my business. Just amazing. Wow. So that's really something. Yeah. So what was interesting, I was telling a client this recently that sometimes when a client is working with me and they're having trouble either knowing what they want or manifesting what they want. I tell them to try to manifest information. Like, mm. just ask the universe to give you information, right? It's like, you don't have to ask the universe to give you whatever it is. Just ask the universe to give you information about how to go about getting whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that sort of unlocks something sometimes. And I didn't even realize I was doing it until we decided on this experiment. And then I thought, <laughs> Oh, the inner guidance that I need to trust is just to talk about this thing I'm thinking about. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And how I want to kind of restructure a couple of things in my business and create a new kind program kind of thing. But it's sort of like something I haven't seen done before. And as soon as I talked about it with a couple of people, the information just sort of came flooding in. Right. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I, I mean, I, I, uh, to, I'll, I'll share my story because uh, I'll tell you honestly, I thought this was going to be 
like the most mundane and boring of the experiments. This is just, <laughs> this is just, come on, let's just listen to the inner guidance and see what's going on there. I, I thought that's the extent of it, right? You know, so far, Monique has completely shifted gears and gone off in another direction. You've had this huge shift going on with your business. Well, I had a big thing happen too. Um, within 48 hours of initiating that experiment, I found myself, it was a, oh geez, three or four o'clock in the morning. And I got this impulse about an idea that I had. And when the idea hit my mind consciously, I thought about it and I said, everybody in the world should know about this. Does any, is it just me? I mean, have I been overlooking something that everybody else knew? Is everybody overlooking it? And I'll tell you why it is in a second. And I started doing research and I realized everybody's overlooking it. And, and this is something that something like 1.8 billion of us on the planet are faced every day because we're Facebook users. This is something on Facebook that, well, I can't say everybody who uses Facebook is into, uh, you know, some sort of a business kind of venture, but certainly all the people who are in that realm are overlooking this thing. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, well, it makes sense that we're overlooking it, but it also is kind of bizarre. Let me tell you what it is. We all think about Facebook in terms of, and this is also where a lot of the controversy where Facebook comes from. It's all about, you know, checking what we're doing and, and keeping track of it and selling advertising to us and all that kind of stuff based on what our interests are. Right. And so we have this kind of a mental idea that the only one who can really advertise on Facebook is Facebook because this is their thing. That's how they make their money. Did it ever occur to you that you can advertise anything in a Facebook group that you run. I mean, I, I thought about that and I, I'm not talking about advertising your own stuff. I mean, you could even sell advertising to somebody else. Right. <laughs> and I, I was sitting there saying, no, this, this can't be something that everybody's overlooked. It's, that's not possible. There are too many smart, savvy marketers on the face of the planet that you know somebody must have figured this thing out. I'm not sure that there are that many who have. <laughs> so anyway, long, long story short, um, I kept listening to that inner guidance as it was coming through, giving me these really weird concepts and just following them and following them. And right now, as a result, and I've touched on this, by the way, on a couple of shows that we've done since then. But uh, right now I have a programmer working on a special piece of software that will enable me to basically sell advertising on a group that I run. This is a regional group um, here in the in, in the northern Connecticut area. And it'll just enable me to sell advertising to local businesses who want to advertise in that group. And, and what got that going? Oh, I, I started this group seven years ago on a lark. Literally just, I'm going to just do this experiment to see what happens if you start a local group. There was no other thought process involved. And so I said, well, you know, I'll just open it up and, you know, people want to advertise their business. Sure. You can advertise your business, you know, keep it clean. We won't allow outside advertising about, you know, selling Pepsi in Nevada or something like that. But, you know, if it's locally oriented, sure, you will do that. So lots and lots of people have been advertising their stuff and so forth. And it's grown and grown. It's about seven, seven, eight hundred members so far. I haven't done anything with it. I just kind of let, I, I said, no intention. I didn't really, there was no plan. It's like, well, you want to post about local events? Sure. You could do that. Do what you want to do. You know, it was very open-ended. And so now I'm thinking, well, I've got, I, I counted it up. I, I get an average of 150 ads a week. If I sell 
ad space at like, you know, $7 in a search term or something like that, that's pretty good money. So I am hiring a pop programmer and the programmer is working on it right now. We're going to see if we can get this thing going all from following inner guidance. Wow. I never would have gone after this. Okay. This so never question, have occurred to me. You said, if I recall correctly, you said that you were thinking about this, it, like this idea came to you at like three or four in the morning. Right. Was it a dream? No, I woke up. Okay. And I was awake for like five seconds. And then this, this idea hit me advertising in Facebook groups. It's so funny because I, I do this too. Like I will wake up and have an almost immediately have some kind of idea that's like, yeah. Oh wow. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was what, that was so crazy though. I had to get up and go look. I had to do some, some research to see, is there anyone else who's doing this? Cause it just seems so obvious. It's like right in front of our faces all the time. How could we miss this? How could so many millions and millions of marketers? I mean, how many people are selling marketing programs on Facebook right now? Right. Yeah. You you would lot. think somebody there would have figured this thing out. It's so yeah. obvious. Well, I've always been, uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, my husband asked me this a couple of weeks ago. He said, why isn't Facebook allowing you to advertise in your private groups in a way that, like, in other words, why why isn't Facebook monetizing private groups? Like, they could be. Like, what are they leaving on the table? I said, I don't know. I never thought about it. Well, here, here's another interesting wrinkle on it. Facebook actually does allow you to do it. In fact, they specifically have a kind of group called a buy and sell group. And in a buy and sell group, you can charge people for buying and selling X, whatever the X is that the group is all about. So they actually have anticipated having group people monetizing their own groups. They've actually figured that part out. It's just that the rest of us hadn't noticed. (laughs) (laughs) That's really what it is, right? (laughs) It's just how many times have we talked about having stuff out there that we want that we don't see because our RIS isn't attuned to it. I think that's an example of this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been a mind-blowing experiment. To say the least. The little boring experiment that we did. <laughs> that's that, right. That turned out to have some big results. You know, that's, that's another thing to talk about for a moment is that, you know, sometimes I tell clients that we need to remember that small consistent action is what gets results. Right. Because so many times people get fired up. Like think about January 1st, how many people go join a gym and they, yeah start working out like five hours a week, you know, more right. than they ever have before. And then they burn out. Yeah. And, you know, by the beginning of February, the parking lots are all empty again. Nobody's at the gym. Well, that's because it's just too much for us sometimes to take these big leaps. But if we would just take some small, consistent action, be consistent about it. But see, that seems boring sometimes. It and does. So I think that's this, you know, we thought this was a <laughs> sort of a little <laughs> mundane experiment, but we got big results. All three of us. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shelly, who's also an ex co-host, uh, is listening in on the live stream. She posts, I don't think these group creators get any money from a buy sell group, do they? And the answer to that is yes, no, no, they don't get it from Facebook, but yes, they can charge and collect it directly themselves as long as they have their own mechanism. And that's one of the purposes of the buy sell group. And, and I think it's really what throws people off. I, I think it's why we kind of tend to overlook this thing because we figure, well, well, Facebook isn't going to do it. They don't have any kind of mechanism for us to make money off of it. 
And so we draw the erroneous conclusion that therefore you can't make money off of it. Right. Or that it's not allowed. Or, or that, that it's not allowed. Right. Yeah. Whatever, it's prohibited. Yeah. Something. Well, yeah. you know, it's just the mark of a, you know, independent thinker. Well, to just say, wait, nobody's doing this. How can I do yeah. it? <laughs> really? Right. Well, it's, in this case, it's an independent dreamer because, like I said, this is four <laughs> o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> right. Well, that's why I asked you if you were, if it was a dream, because so many big things and great inventions have come that way from people it might that have. dreamt them or dreamt the answer to a problem. I'm not really sure. I, I can't honestly say that I know that the idea was in my head before I literally physically woke up. It felt like the idea just appeared to me as soon as I woke up. But maybe, maybe, maybe it was kind of incubating. I don't know. Well, we know that our brains might work even harder when we're sleeping than they do when we're wakeful. Um, in spite of it seeming like everything just shuts down and we just go into a blank state. But one of the things that's been really useful to me, especially if I'm I don't want to say worried because it's not really worried, but sometimes I get hyper-focused on something and I really want to figure it out. And I'll be thinking about it, you know, almost obsessively. Like I'm trying to figure out the answer to something. I may just think about it a lot. It's like eating up my, you know, thought processes or my thought energy. It's just thinking, thinking, and I don't want to think about it anymore. I just want to go to sleep now. It's time to go to bed. I just, I, and so I will tell my brain like, okay, brain, I know that you're up working all night, so here's something for you to work on while I sleep. You just let me know the answer in the morning. And <laughs> oh, I've been okay. doing that for like 20 years, and it's been yeah. really effective for me. Like oftentimes, I would tell myself, when you wake up tomorrow, you will know. Just, you know. Well, I'll tell you what, along that same line, that night before I went to bed, it w we were in the middle of the 48 hours, so I just reiterated what we had said during the conversation on the show. And that was start giving me inner guidance and, and help me pay attention to it so I can learn and do and grow from it and all that kind of thing. That's the way I went to sleep that night. And okay. that was the answer I got. <laughs> so yeah, it does work. Awesome. I love it. I love hearing that. It's I mean, not the only time I've ever, by the way, you, you have inspired me in the past. I don't know if I ever told you this to do exactly what you just described, how you go to sleep, kind of asking a question and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, let your, your sleeping mind come up with the answer. And, it does work. I've used it on a lot of occasions and it makes me wonder why I don't do it more often, to be perfectly honest. I think, I think the reason I don't do it more often is because the impetus for me to do it usually is when, when I'm to the point where it's like, I don't want to think about this anymore. Yeah, that's right. Like I've exhausted True. my ability to find the answer. Obviously I can't find it by just thinking about this. So I don't want to think anymore. I'm just going to decide that when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'll know. Mm -hmm. And I've done that with, with for decision making as well. I'm really struggling with this decision. That's good. Um, then I wake up in the morning and I'll just know the answer. I say, nope, this is, yeah. is going to be. And I think that's that inner guidance too, right? It's just, you know. I think you're right. Way. It's a good way to use it too, because now you get, now you're limiting the information to, you know, left root or the right root, which one's a better one. Give me the, give me an indication on that. Mm -hmm. And I think earlier on, I know for myself, when I was, when I had very, very little confidence in my own ability to tap within, having that kind of a limitation helps in some way. It kind of makes it easier to believe that, first of all, I'm going to get a response. And second of all, it makes it a little bit easier to trust the response, even though early on I had 
about zero trust, but you know, you're, you're trying to learn to trust, right? So you, you start right, somewhere. Right. And that was, that was where I was trying to, okay, I, I'll, I'll trust that this time it's not going to kill me. It's kind of like the Pam Grout approach. You know, we're, we're not worried about what the results of the experiments are. These are just experiments. Well, same yeah. thing with that. And I, I wasn't really worried with whether it was going to work. I just figured I'd give it a try. And, hey, well, it and also it's kind of, it reminds me of Neville Goddard, right? In his idea of envisioning, you know, something or, Tapping into the feeling of the wish fulfilled, you mm-hmm. know, from the feeling of the wish fulfilled as you're falling asleep. Yes, yes. Because if we're asking for the answer to something and we're like, I'm just going to go to sleep now. And when I wake up, I'll have the answer. There's no attachment. We like, mm-hmm. we're, we're sleeping. So we're not, you know, attached to an outcome. We're just, we wake up with a knowing. And that's what it's been for me. It's like, I've woken up and I knew what the answer was going to be. I knew what I was going to do. So. Well, I know also it's helped me in a lot of other ways, including financially. And I just remembered there was something I wanted to announce on the show today because I reached a milestone, a very important milestone today. When I started this show, it was about, it was eight and three quarter years ago now, September 2012. At that point in time, my business had fallen apart with the 2008 financial crisis. I was struggling to survive. Um, Louise had been, she had had her gardening business, but she had gotten out in 2008 because we could tell what was happening with it. There was no way for me to get out without losing everything, which I ended up doing anyway, because my clientele at the time were all these little tiny nonprofit organizations and they all went poof as soon as the whole thing burst. You know, so my business literally 95% of my business went away overnight. It was kind of scary. Um, and by 2012, we had never been financially strong, but we were in really bad straits. We were deep in debt trying to figure out how to make ends meet. I mean, it was really, really bad. And I, one of my reasons for starting to do the show was, well, I figure if I can really learn how to do this all the way stuff, maybe I can use that to turn things around and get some money in. Well, here we are eight and three quarter years later. And this month, actually, two days ago, for the first time in my adult life, for the first time since uh, Louisa and I have been together, we are 100% completely out of debt. Yes. That's 100%. I mean, it's kind of a stunning feeling to be perfectly honest. (laughs) That's awesome. That's wonderful. I mean, eight and a half years ago, we were about $60,000 in debt. That was not, that didn't include a mortgage. That was just like credit cards and car loans and things like that. And it is now zero. I mean, just unbelievable. So if there's anyone listening who has struggled with the debt thing, and it is a struggle, I know exactly what it feels like. It's like this dead weight that just doesn't ever seem to go away. Oh, it does feel nice when it goes away. <laughs> it's well, a I, great feeling. It's very encouraging too. Um, and for anybody listening that's, you know, struggling with mm-hmm. carrying more, more debt than they feel comfortable carrying. Um, it's really good to hear someone say that, right? Yeah. Like, yes, it can be done. And uh, it can yeah. be done. This awesome. most striking thing about it too is, I mean, we did, part of it was settled because I got a nice bequest from my mom's estate, but that only, that only accounted for part of it. The rest of it, a large part of it, believe it or not, got settled over the last year during the pandemic. Oh, wow. And I've mentioned this on the show before in a different context, but I can't tell you exactly how that happened. <laughs> it's not like our income dramatically increased. It didn't. It was down. I mean, I can point to the fact that we weren't going out very much because nobody was going out, right? So that keeps some of the expenses right. down. But I can't fully explain, and I'm a, I'm good at math. I can't explain how this happened. 
I mean, well, I can explain up to maybe like, I can explain 80% of it. The other 20%, it does, it's like, how did that happen? I don't get it. <laughs> it just, you know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody today that was kind of talking and talking and mentioned working. I heard this phrase, you know, need to pay down mm-hmm. my debt. Mm-hmm. working more hours to make, you know, more money. And I made a comment that, you know, don't forget the possibility of money coming in that you didn't work for. Yeah. Because there was this very narrow view of need to get out of debt, need to work more hours to make more money. And I was like, well, there are other ways that money can come that aren't attached to you working for it. And I remembered one time years ago, um, my homeowner's insurance, apparently I had paid, I had been paying too much every month, but like, you know, $12 or something. I mean, so I just mm-hmm. never noticed it for like a long, long time, years mm-hmm. and years and years. And mm-hmm. one day I just got an envelope with a letter and a check for, I don't know, like $1,500 or something <laughs> completely out of the blue. So it's like blue money, right? It's like, right. You call that blue money. It's just money that comes out of the blue and it happens. So yeah. You know, that's what I was saying to the person I was talking to is don't forget about that possibility. Like open your awareness to the possibility that you just don't know how it's going to happen. And even after it happens, you might not know. <laughs> Which is the case. Exactly. I, I can account for about 80% okay. of it and the rest of it just, it's, it's kind of, it's, well, Shelly summarized it. It's magic energy. Yep. And she's absolutely right. That That's the best way I can explain it because it just doesn't make any other sense to me. I I can't point to a single thing. I, I can I keep records. I keep financial records. I can't go through my records even. I, I I tried this. I went through all of my spending and my income for the last year, and I'm looking for patterns. There's no pattern, and I'm not used to that. I'm I can find a pattern in almost anything, and there's no pattern. To me, what this is really pointing to is I know I've done a lot of work on myself. I've done a lot of work to shift my vibration, to get into a higher vibe space, and it's working. And it's not, I guess it's not up to me to know how it worked. It just did. <laughs> I don't think we always know. I don't think we always know. This is a great example of it. But I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to be much less inclined in the future to be in that trap that you described with, you know, some of your clients and so forth who say, well, I just got to increase the income. Apparently I don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Speaking of energy, Mm -hmm. are we ready for another, another? I think, well, hey, given the results we've had so far, (laughs) we'd be irresponsible not to. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. I hope you guys are playing at home too. I mean, you got to be a part of this. This is good stuff. <laughs> I hope so too. Well, this this is definitely um, an energetic thing because the title of the chapter is, um, or the subtitle, the Albi the Albi Einstein principle, which is cute. Our field of energy. Mm-hmm. So, would you like to read, or would you like me to? Um, whichever you you get to pick. Okay. Well, I'll read some. Maybe we'll trade off. Um, okay. It starts with a. Quote from Ray Charles, American singer and pianist, and it says, it's right underneath your fingers, baby. That's all you have to understand. Everything is right underneath your fingers. <laughs> it sounds like what you were saying a little while ago. It's right in front of our nose. Mm-hmm. Well, it's particularly poignant considering that for him, his fingers are really important because he's blind. Right. Right? And, he, and, and so he gets everything through his fingers. Yeah. The premise 
So Pam Grout says, I'm not going to bore you with an entire text on quantum physics. I've read dozens and believe me, they're not pretty. <laughs> but there are a couple of rumors going around that must be quashed before we go any further. For starters, who you think you are is not who you really are. You think you have a limited life, something like 70 or 80 years, and then you wrinkle up, get rheumatism, and keel over. Kaboom. <laughs> it's all over. But this isn't any more true than that dream you had last night about the tall blonde. <laughs> Your body is an imposter, a tiny fraction of who you really are. 99% of who you are is invisible and untouchable. This body that I think is Pam Grout, this skinny five foot ten woman with perpetual complexion problem, <laughs> it's just a speck of who I really am. No more the real me than those two-month-old baby pictures where I'm wearing the embarrassing pink bonnet. <laughs> Don't feel bad if you've fallen for the trap that you, your body, and the world around you are nothing but matter. It's not easy standing on the brink of a revolution. These new ideas that scientists are finally starting to take seriously are challenging everything we believe about how our world works and how we define ourselves. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. And then there's a quote from Fred Allen Wolf, Ph.D., American quantum physicist. It says, everything you know about the universe and its laws is more than likely to be 99.99% wrong. <laughs> what Einstein discovered and what that famous equation E equals MC square means is that mass and energy are basically two forms of the same thing. Energy is liberated matter. And matter is energy waiting to happen. There is a huge amount of energy, a preposterously huge amount, trapped in every living thing. You, making the assumption that you're an average-sized human being, contain no less than 7 times 10 to the 18th, 7 times 10 to the 18th, joules of potential energy. That may not mean much to you now, but let's pretend you want to make a point. If you were a bit more cunning and knew how to liberate this energy, you could use it to explode yourself with the force of 30 very large hydrogen bombs. Oof. In other words, the material world is nothing but dense energy patterns. Scientists put all of these sub-subatomic particles into a particle accelerator, collided them, and ultimately discovered that there is no particle at the source. It's all just pure, unbounded energy vibrating so fast that it defies measurement and observation. So despite how it looks to the naked eye, you are energy. In fact, nothing in the world is actually solid. Not you, not this book, not the chair you're sitting on. Break the solid world down to its tiniest components, and you'll find dancing particles in empty space. It only looks solid because the energy is vibrating a little slower than the speed of light. That's what energy is, vibrating particles. That means you, this book, and the chair are actually vibrating. Energy is a pretty nebulous thing. You can't see it, scratch it, or take it out to dinner. <laughs> but you can, and do every day, influence how it flows through you. And since it's the building block of everything in the universe... That's a powerful thing. Try this experiment that I learned from energy pioneer Donna Eden. One, bring your palms toward each other like you're about to clap, but stop 
three inches before your hands make contact. Now, twist your wrists so your arms form an X. The wrists should be at the center of the X and still three inches apart. Next, draw your attention to the space between your wrists. Because your wrists contain several energy centers, the energies will connect, and most likely you will feel some sensation in the area between them. And lastly, try moving your wrists about an inch closer and then out a few inches back and forth. Did you do it, Walt? I did. Yes, Could I was do doing it what you described. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. very strong. Very, and very strong. It reminds me of an exercise that we do in Tai Chi where we take our hands like we're holding a ball. Mm-hmm. And we just keep turning it and turning it and turning it, and you start to begin to feel the energy. So same type of thing, right? She says, see, what did I tell you? Your energy. At each moment, you mold and shape this energy by your consciousness. You do so with every thought, every intention, every action. How you feel, what you think, believe, and value, and how you live your life affect how the energy flows through you. To put it in simple, to put it in simplest terms, this affects how you vibrate. And how you vibrate affects what you pull in from the interlocking, interbalancing, ever-moving energy field in which you swim. You pull out of this field and into your world anything that happens to be vibrating on the same frequency or wavelength. Let's say you're feeling excited, joyful, and grateful. These emotions send out high-frequency vibrations that magnetize more things to be excited, joyful, and grateful about. Anything with the same high frequency will prance on over to your energy field. However, if you're scared, guilt-ridden, and convinced there's a terrorist around every corner, you're sending out low-frequency vibrations that will attract ugly things into your life. We always attract our vibrational match. We are the initiators of the vibrations and therefore the magnets or the cause. It works the same way as a tuning fork. Ding a tuning fork in a room filled with tuning forks that are calibrated to different pitches and only the ones calibrated to the same frequency will ding too. And they'll ding all the way across the Minneapolis metrodome. <laughs> like forces attract. It's a classic rule of physics. Very cool. Yeah. Pick it up. Yeah. All right. The next section is entitled, There is no you and them. And then a quote from Niels Bohr, the Danish physicist who played a big role in um, quantum physics. Anyone who is not shocked by physics has not understood it, (laughs) which is true, by the way. As if you didn't already have enough weirdness to contend with, I'm going to throw in one more tiny detail. Everything in the physical world as we know it is connected to every other thing in the physical world. You are attached and engaged to one underlying universal energy field. The field, as Daddy Daddy Albie Einstein said. I like that, Albie Einstein. The (laughs) field is the only reality. That was a quote from him. Things appear separate because they're vibrating at different wavelengths, just as the note C vibrates at a different wavelength than B flat. Each of these vibrations creates a strand in the electromagnetic field, which in turn instructs energy where to go and what to do. This pulsating energy field is the central engine of your being and your consciousness. Where is this field? Well, there's no place it's not. 
Everything in the universe is hooked up to the energy field. All life forms, whether African zebras, the hostas in your garden, or those melting icebergs. Your intelligence, creativity, and imagination interact with this magnificent and complex energy field. We may look like separate bodies with separate ideas, but we are all just one big, pulsating, vibrating field of consciousness. It's a subtopic anecdotal evidence and a quote from Mark Twain. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. (laughs) (laughs) Edwin Gaines, I think is her name, is one of my favorite unity, unity ministers. She's funny, she's wise, and she knows how spiritual principles work. She travels throughout the United States giving prosperity seminars in which she teaches people how to live more abundant, God-centered lives. But, like the rest of us, Edwin had to learn about spiritual principles through trial and error. She tells a hilarious story about her, quote, first big demonstration, unquote. A demonstration, according to unitics, that is folks who hang out at unity churches, I like that, is when you pull something you want or need out of thin air, more or less. At the time of Edwin's first demonstration, she was relatively new to spiritual principles. She was what you could politely call broke. I know the feeling. As she says, I don't have two dimes to run to get, to rub together. But she heard this crazy rumor from her spiritual teacher that not only did God like her, but he wanted to open the gates of heaven and pour out his blessings if she simply learned how to direct her energy. But first she had to know what she wanted and when she wanted it. Well, that was easy. Within 15 minutes, <clears throat> excuse me, Edwin filled a whole yellow legal pad with her desires. New green shoes, a new male partner, a new car, and so on. She decided she also wanted a week's vacation to Mexico City. She'd never been there, but she figured it would be a great place to practice her Spanish. Plus, she'd always wanted to see the Pyramid of the Sun, the Pyramid of the Moon, and Diego Rivera's paintings. Edwin didn't have any money for the trip, so writing it down was, as she put it, a bit of a joke, but she figured, what the heck? She even went down to a travel agent, looked at brochures, and made a tentative reservation three months in advance of the time she decided she wanted to travel. She says, I, I figured the worst that could happen is I'd be embarrassed in front of the travel agent when I wasn't able to pay. That's only because you don't feel rich, her teacher said. You're not vibrating as a rich person. <laughs> well, I could have told you that, Edwin replied. Have you had a look at my checking account lately? I'm having trouble paying my electric bill. That's why you need to go out and do something to make yourself feel rich, her teacher insisted. So Edwin decided her biggest challenge was the grocery store. She says, I was one of those people who bought the bare minimum, beans, cornbread, flour, the basics, she says. I didn't dare splurge on any of that foo-foo stuff. Nothing like bubble bath. I had a budget. I like this. She didn't like foo-foo stuff, but she's engaging in woo-woo stuff. That's good. (laughs) So the next time she was at the grocery store, she decided to saunter over to the gourmet counter just for a gander. She noticed a bottle of olives stuffed with almonds. She took one look at it and just knew that that was what rich people ate. So she bought it, took her groceries home, and called her friend Lana. Lana, I'm coming over. We're going to sit by your pool, and we're going to get out your new crystal wine glasses and drink that bottle of wine you just bought. And we're going to eat the olives I just splurged on, and we're going to pretend we're on an exotic vacation in Mexico City. Say what? Lana said. (laughs) She eventually agreed to play along, and sure enough, 
they sat by Lana's pool, drinking wine, eating olives, laughing and pretending to be vacationing in Mexico City. Well, darling, which pyramid shall we visit today? Edwin would ask. Or maybe you'd rather go to the beach. And then Lana would answer, oh, let's do both. And after that, we can walk through the marketplace and listen to mariachis. They had so much fun that Lana decided she wanted to go to Mexico City, too. And so the next day, she went down to the same travel agency and made her reservations. Within a week, Lana's mom called her and said, hey, guess what? I'd like to pay for that ticket to Mexico City. And I was the one doing affirmations, Edwina now jokes. Three weeks later, the travel agent called Edwina and informed her that unless she came down to pay for her tickets that day, she was going to have to let them go. Okay, I'll be right there, Edwina said to the travel agent, even though she felt like old Mother Hubbard with the completely bare cupboards. She got in her car and decided it was time she had a severe talking to with God. God, she said, now I've done everything I know how to do here. I've made my list. I've done my affirmations. I've been acting rich. The way I figure it, the rest is up to you. And big guy, since this travel agent is calling, I'm going to go ahead and go on down. And that money better be there. <laughs> Unquote. <laughs> on the way to the travel agency, she got a hunch to stop by her mom's house. And she says, now I know myself well enough to know that I was probably thinking that if I told my mom about Lana's mom buying her ticket, maybe she'd agree to buy my ticket at Wien admits. She went into her mom's house, acted just as sweet as can be, and told her mom about this vacation she and Lana had cooked up. She finished her story, looked up at her mom and said, and you know what? Lana's mom even agreed to pay for Lana's ticket. Isn't that wonderful? That is wonderful, Edwin's mom said. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> nice just try. Nice try, yeah. <laughs> Discouraged, Edwina concluded her visit and started to walk out the door. And when her mom asked if she'd be kind enough to run her out and get, get her mail, to run, to run out and get her mail, her mom's house had a long driveway. So Edwina walked down to the mailbox, kicked at stones and cursing under her breath. On the way back, Edwina decided to take a look, little look-see through the mail. And she noticed a letter addressed to her. Now, understand, she says, I hadn't lived at my mom's house for 15 years and hadn't received mail there for 15 years. Edwin, not having a clue who this person on the return envelope was, ripped open the envelope, and lo and behold, there was a letter from an old roommate who had gotten married since she and Edwin had lived together 15 years earlier. At the time, they were both young, poor, and forced to decorate what Edwin calls, quote, early salvation army, unquote. <laughs> Next three months after they moved in together, Edwin landed a job teaching overseas and left the roommate, the apartment, and the used furniture behind. So here's what the letter said. Dear Edwin, I was looking through the Houston phone book the other day and saw your parents' address. I wanted to tell you that I've gotten married and have moved into a nice new house with my husband. We furnished our house with new furniture, so I sold all that furniture we bought 15 years ago. Turns out, would you believe it, that some of it was actually pretty valuable. I didn't feel right keeping all the money since we had worked so hard to furnish that place, so please find a check for your half of the money. And do you know, says Edwin, it was the exact amount I needed to pay for my ticket to the penny plus $100 for spending money. <laughs> Whoa. I'm shaking Ed my head. <laughs> right? Edwin also added, this is like a Neville Goddard story, right? Right, yes. Edwin also added a funny sequel to her story. Sure enough, Lana and Edwin had a marvelous time in Mexico City. They shopped, sat by the pool, visited pyramids, and strolled to the markets. And everywhere we went, she said, Lana got flowers. We'd be walking through the marketplace, and the mariachis would stop playing and bring Lana a gardenia. 
One day we were on the bus, and this guy jumps on, hands Lana a rose, and jumps off. One night at supper, this big white box arrives at our table. Lana opens it up, and it's a dozen orcas. By this time, I'm starting to feel left out. I say to God, hey, look, buddy, I need a sign that I'm loved, too, Edwin says. <laughs> Not 15 minutes later, the waiter at the restaurant brought over the hors d'oeuvres. And she says, and that God has such a sense of humor. Do you know what that waiter brought? <laughs> Olives stuffed with almonds. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I love this story so much. This is a case of be careful what you wish for. Right? <laughs> what are you focusing on? <laughs> I love that she said she saw the, the oh. olive stuff with almonds, and I just knew that that is what rich people eat. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, that's great. You want to pick it up from here? I, I'm laughing yeah. too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that she called her friend and said, I have some olives and I'm coming over and we're going to sit by your pool and we're going right. to, that, we're going to drink that bottle of wine you bought. Right. Exactly. <laughs> she didn't buy it. The method. And there's a quote from Cleve Baxter, a plant researcher and former CIA agent. Mm. As the Western scientific community and actually all of us are in a difficult spot. Because in order to maintain our current mode of being, we must ignore a tremendous <laughs> amount of information. This is true. <laughs> Even though this principle is one of the cornerstone spiritual principles, remember, spiritual just means the opposite of material. It actually first came to light, not in a church, but in a physics lab. Yes, it was scientists who first discovered that despite all appearances to the contrary, Human beings are not matter, but continually moving waves of energy. In this experiment, you're going to prove that your thoughts and feelings also create energy waves. Here's what you do. Get two wire coat hangers, easy to obtain in most any closet. Untwist the neck of each hanger until you've got just two straight wires. These are your Einstein wands. <laughs> Or rather, they will be when you shape them into an L, about 12 inches long for the main part and 5 inches for the handle. Cut a plastic straw in half. You can score one free of charge at any McDonald's. <laughs> Slide the handle that you just bent inside the straws. It'll make your wands swing easily. And bend the bottom of the hanger to hold the straw in place. Now... Pretend you're a double-fisted, gun-slinging Matt Dillon from Gunsmoke with the wands held chest high and about 10 inches from your body. They'll flap all over the place at first. Like I said, you're an ongoing river of energy. So give them a few moments to settle down. Once they've stopped flapping, you're ready to begin the experiment. With your eyes straight ahead, vividly recall some very unpleasant event from your past. Depending on the intention of your emotion, the wands will either stay straight ahead, weak intensity, or will point inward, tip to tip. The wands are following the electromagnetic bands around your body, which have contracted as a result of the negative frequency generated by your unpleasant thought and emotions. Now, make your frequencies turn positive by thinking about something loving or joyous. The wands will now expand outward as your energy field expands to your positive energy flow. Okay, 
Now keep your eyes straight ahead, but focus your attention on an object to your far right or far left and watch your wands follow your thoughts. The more you play with this, the more adept you'll become at feeling the vibrational shift as you change from one frequency to another. Have you ever done this, by the way? I have done this. Yeah, I have too. And I forgot I, about it, though. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, the way it was explained to me, they're called, uh, this is a version of a dousing rod. Right. Yes. Right? Right. And, and it, you're right. It is cool. And it works exactly the way she's describing. And, and yeah. I, I remember it, the first time I was exposed to it, I went to a meeting in, just over the border from Connecticut and Massachusetts with, with a guy who's very much into spiritual stuff. And he does this meeting every Tuesday. I've never gone back. I don't know why I've never gone back, but um, he does this every Tuesday and they have all these experiments all over the place, including this one with the, 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 the two wires in the straws and you're holding them, you know, the, the straws like handles. And literally those things, those darn things will point whatever way you are thinking. It's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. This is so funny because this past weekend, I decided to really deep clean my office. Okay. And so I was cleaning the carpet that's really hard to get to that I don't just normally clean because mm -hmm. you, know, you have to get in it. And I found a straw. <laughs> and I was like, and it was a straw cut in half. And I was like, where did this come from? And it was from that experiment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's cool. Years ago. <laughs> It's been a long time since I got behind my desk. <laughs> You're no kidding, yeah. And, and Shelly says it sounds like water witching. Yeah, it that's is. exactly what it's for. It's the same yeah. thing. Right. It's exactly the same concept. So the first right. thing I think is cool about this, though, is like if you've ever played with a pendulum, mm -hmm. you know, you're you're holding the string or chain or whatever it's attached to, but you know, your hand can waver a little bit. Yes, right. But when you're holding these things. You're holding them, you're holding the straws in your fists. Right. Like you'd hold a gun. Yes. And the wire is actually not touching your hand. That's true. It's in the straw. So to me, it's a lot more convincing that that energy is around your body and that you're affecting it with your thoughts mm -hmm. because there's no direct contact really with you, with your body. So sure. it's not like, oh, I think my hand was shaking a little bit. It's kind of free floating inside. I mean, you think of how the diameter of a wire hanger and then the diameter of a straw, it's just in there. So, right. yeah. So, okay. So this is going to be fun. Well, I thought I mean, we were all going to just decide to manifest a trip to Mexico. I thought that's what the experiment was going to be. Well, that's always a possibility. And, and that's the thing with energy. You got to be very careful what you focus attention to. Otherwise, you might end up with a bottle of olives with almonds inside. But the fact is that what we're talking about here is something that the belief plays a big role in. And I think that's really what you were hitting on when you were talking about how um, it seems more believable to you that, you know, the straws, the wires inside the straws are going to be a more um, valid test. Um, for me, I, I, I think of it as, you know, you, you can influence either one of them. I, I can influence the straws with the wires inside just by tipping my hands. I can make the, the arrows point that way too. But whether it's with a pendulum or with the, the wires inside the straws, either way, if I focus my attention on really trying to stay centered, and I mean like centered to gravity so that you know, the wires are pointing straight down or the pendulum is pointing straight down. Right. And I really focus on keeping that hand steady and so forth. I get the results anyway. 
So to me, it's cool either way. Cause I'm saying, yeah. well, I shouldn't get anything. I, I should be able to just hold it perfectly steady and it never stays steady. <laughs> right. No, that's true. That's true. And it's kind of like, you know, what people say about a placebo, right? It's mm-hmm. like, I did this thing. I took this thing and it healed me. It's like, well, you know, it's a sugar pill. It's just a placebo. Does it matter? Not really. <laughs> it Not was. really. No. That, that's actually something we were talking about last week. I, I was making the point that science is is getting better at kind of stretching their boundaries a bit, but they're also a little bit tepid about it. Um, and even in in those in the world of the people who are exploring placebo, the, the big the big leap forward lately is that they were willing to explore how does placebo and nocebo play a role in whether or not people were masking up during the pandemic. And I'm thinking, well, okay, yeah, but. That's pretty mild. I mean, you can, you can, yeah. you can reach better than that one. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting talking about en- energy. I heard, um, I heard something in the past month that they said they were talking about what we, um, perceive to be empty space mm-hmm. is not empty space. It's energy. That's right. Yeah. And here's the thing that I still can't even comprehend it that the amount of energy in one square centimeter of what we call empty space is more than the energy combined in the entire perceivable universe. Jeez. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> right? Like wrap your head around that. So, oh my so goodness. Think that we, what we're doing with thought experiments, whether it's with the hangar or whether it's with the olive stuff with almonds and we're getting to Mexico <laughs> is we're just unlocking such a tiny bit of yes. the potential that's there. Yeah. It's like mind blowing. So it is. Well, I, I want to invite all of our listeners who haven't tried the experiment. You know, if you feel inclined, stretch yourself out a little bit. Try oh, it. Yeah. Get the coat hangers, bend, you know, unbend them, get the straw and break the straw in half. So you got two handles and, and try it. You'll, it's just, it's an amazing experiment to try. And, and the fun part is if, if you have, any kind of group of people, two or more, you'll instantly want to share the results with somebody else so they can try it too. Because it's that kind of thing. It's a very conversational kind of activity. Yeah. So, it's a lot of fun. I'm going to do it. I've done it before, but I'm going to do it again. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. So, you know, try it and, and send in your results. Send us an email, you know, send to Walt at LOAToday.net or use the LOA Today app and send a message that way. Let's yeah, know that what is, no, that's a lot of fun. It we'll is a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and, uh, we'll have more to talk about next week, I'm sure, but, uh, these experiments, they're, they're becoming real, Cindy. They're yeah. Real. If, you man- if any of you manifest a trip to Mexico. Yeah. Um, let us know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> or, or just send us the check for, you know, the furniture that you sold on our behalf. Either way. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This, this is one of those, uh, one of those shows where you sit back afterward, or at least I sit back afterward and I say, what just happened? <laughs> seriously seriously but thank you very much i'm looking forward to doing this again next week thank you to the live streamers who are participating we really appreciate you and thank you also to our regular podcast listeners we appreciate you as well we'll see you all next time here on loa today goodbye everybody bye everyone